another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. It's season two, episode 12, but more importantly, it's the draft recap. The 2023 NFL draft is behind us, but what's in front of us is recapping it, talking about what we saw. You get weeks and months of anticipation. That's now behind us, but the draft is the gift that keeps on giving because now you get to talk about what happened and there's really no finality to it until we see these guys play, and we're not going to see that for several more months. So um, a lot to talk about with the draft, and that's what we're here to do today. To help me do it, of course, is my usual partner. It's Giles. We're going to present to you our takes from three days of drafting and some thoughts on what we learned about the Vikings roster now that the draft, free agency, and other business are behind us and the team's the team casts its gaze on the offseason program. Let's welcome in Giles. Hey, bud. How's it going? Hey, hey, we're doing well. Uh, definitely excited to uh, be post-draft. I think we, yeah. I mean, at face value, as much as you can glean from uh, three days post-draft, I, I honestly like a lot of the different elements that we put forward, uh, uh, including uh, Mr. Overhaul himself, Jaron Hall from BYU. Definitely excited to add another quarterback to the realm. Yep. Um, de- definitely excited to chat through him. But uh, yeah, a good overall draft. Uh, uh, hard to tell. I mean, uh, it'll take two to three years down the line for us to really evaluate. But uh, at face value here, I liked it. All right. So uh, before we get into it, uh, tell me this. Uh, I'd be curious to know. I know we were messaging and texting and stuff, but what were you doing during the draft? I was commenting to my wife. I'm like, you know, for about 15 years of my life, the NFL draft was like a top five event on the calendar for me, you know, like not just personally, but professionally. Like it was, I mean, I would go to it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this year for Thursday, I was at our 14 year olds baseball game. And then yeah. <laughs> um, my wife had a bowling banquet. So I dropped her off there and ran some errands and then went back and picked her up and watched it uh, at the yep. bowling alley. Um, yep. And then Saturday I had first communion uh, for our twins and yeah. a soccer tournament. And so like I'm paying attention and watching and stuff, you know, um, yep. and following along and uh, on the TV and Twitter and and texting with you and friends and all that. But, you know, I'm not like dialed in and zoned in like I used to be, you know, life is yep. happening. Yep. Um, and, you know, and then I spent Sunday and Monday sort of um, reading stuff and watching videos and getting caught up on what I may have missed. Um, so that was my draft experience. How did you handle it? Yeah, honestly, first round every year, I always get together with uh, all my brothers and we uh, we watch it live. Uh, okay. Always fun to watch the first round. We we uh, yeah. make predictions and yeah, make it a whole uh, fun hoodah. Um, but after that, I do the exact same thing you do. I, I simply watch on my phone and let life go on. Because uh, at the end of the day, it's not something that's not necessarily super exciting, uh, but it's something to pay attention to. It's not like actual football where you want to watch a play. I mean, yeah. you can pay along, uh, pay attention just as much uh, via phone or the NFL app. So I uh, definitely was uh, out and about. I was babysitting, doing errands and, uh, and yep. stuff like that. But exciting nonetheless. I uh, yeah. got to love the draft. Yeah, I do. I, uh, you know, I do have some... I broke it down as like three takes from three days of drafting. Um, So I have those three that I want to go through. I'm sure you have yours as well. So um, you can sprinkle in if you've got any data that you want to sprinkle in. um, Please do so as we talk through them. And then we'll sort of alternate on on maybe some of our main opinions from the draft. Um, I think we start that way. And then we'll get into sort of what we learned. what we have learned here so far during the off season about what the plans may be in 2023. So let's begin with the draft. 
my my favorite three, they end up with six players, right? And we're not going to go through every player and where they got them and how they got them because all of our listeners are um, learned and already know all that. So we're not going to waste our time reviewing that. Mm-hmm. My favorite three picks were the last three guys. Um, okay. I think that the, I call him a nose tackle, Roy. I, I, I don't know if he's truly a nose. I don't know what, you know, how they're going to use him and what they're going to call him. But when I watch him play, I see a nose tackle. I think he can definitely line up over the center and two gap. And I think he can absorb a block and contact and at at the very worst absorb a double team and let linebackers make plays. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think he can take on a blocker or, or a double team like that and stay alive and, and make plays. There are a number of times where he's reaching out and making arm tackles while being blocked and even being double teamed. So I think he's got really good strength. I think he's a good anchor. Um, so I'm excited about him for where they got him. Yep. Um, so I really like him. Um, I, I like the quarterback. Um, you know, I like mobility in a backup because I mean, let's be honest, the Vikings are going to have Kirk cousins under center. It, it, it's very apparent now, if there was any doubt about that, that's one of the things we're going to talk about later. I think it's pretty clear he's here. Right. So, yep. um, Jaron Hall as a backup quarterback, and I think he will be the backup uh, eventually. Like ideally in a backup, you've got a guy who knows the playbook inside and out and can kind of be a almost like a second assistant coach, a, a second yep. quarterback's coach for you. So that's yep. not going to be Jaron Hall. He's a rookie. So mm-hmm. what I think he can do is if he gets thrust into action, he's got the ability to extend plays and keep them alive. Uh, so if he doesn't make the right read, if he can't read it fast enough, if inexperience bites him in the behind, he can rely on a little bit of mobility. I also think he's got a really live arm on tape. Um, and then lastly, the the running back, um, McBride, uh, Dwayne McBride. You know, there might be something going on that we don't know about that caused him to fall. But I think if you just watch his tape, I know it's at UAB, but mm-hmm. if you just watch him play games or watch his tape, you wonder how he's available in the seventh round. I think he's got a low center of gravity. I think he's got really good play speed and I'm not comparing him to Adrian Peterson, but there's one trait of Adrian's that other, other backs other than Adrian have this, but for for my money, Adrian had it in spades. It was almost like when Adrian got the ball, like he didn't think he was going to get tackled. Like there was an attitude that he had where it's like, no one can tackle me. Yep. And I'm going to score a touchdown on this play. He wasn't yep. interested in like, like not taking hits or running out of bounds. To, like he was just like, I'm going to go all the way to the end zone here. Yeah. Take it. I house see that. Time. Yeah. I see that in McBride. I see that yep. kind of attitude. So um, yep. I do have opinions on those first three picks and we'll get into that. I'm sure you do too, but my favorite three picks were the last three picks. Yeah. I like that. Uh, honestly, uh, now that you've mentioned that, I think I would maybe mimic that. I am a huge fan of Jordan Addison, the the first overall pick that we picked, uh, yeah. wide receiver. Uh, I think he's going to be a tremendous addition. The more I watch tape on him, the more I'm excited. Uh, I think we've mentioned it before. We'll say it again. Uh, this is maybe an Adam Thielen 2.0. So if he can really achieve that ceiling, we're going to have some tremendous success on offense. Uh, with yeah. that being said, when you look at our second, third, or uh, yep. well, second and third picks, which was uh, third and fourth round, uh, Mike Blackman, and the Jay Ward, um, I think there is a tremendous focus on aggressiveness on uh, the defensive backside of the fence. Uh, both of these are, are ballers and dogs, so to speak. Uh, and specifically in Jay Ward, I think uh, it's interesting because he's listed as a safety. And other yeah. uh, podcasts have, have highlighted this as well, but he is 
kind of an anomaly in the fact that he's not really just the safety. He's also a cornerback. He's kind of a, a positionless guy on defense. Uh, he can maybe play linebacker. He can maybe play uh, safety or cornerback. So when you think about uh, Brian Flores' approach on defense, I think uh, – assuming they went into the draft looking to actually draft him, not just simply because he fell that way. I Uh see this as a pick looking to make them a lot more flexible on defense to say, Hey, if uh, we're lining up against a certain offense, we think, let's say maybe Lewis seen has a a particular matchup with uh, one of their, one of their players. I think you can flex ward to a different position, depending on what matchups are there on the field. So I think, when you think about illusion of complexity, so to speak, you can switch things up on the fly to say you can have the same personnel unit on the field. One time you might be playing safety. Another time he might be playing yeah. corner. So I think that can really maybe throw some wrinkles into it. If you could actually achieve schematic success on this front, that's a big, if don't get me wrong. I don't think you just jump in day one and all of a sudden you can, you can flex on that. But if you are mm-hmm. able to, to leverage that. I think there's some real interesting possibilities there. Um, same thing. Uh, like you mentioned though, the last three really, really exciting. When you think about that nose tackle, um, he was pretty phenomenal. When you think about interior pass rush in 2021 at LSU, he had an 89.6 grade in pass rush. Like this guy's a dude interior. Uh, yep. Not only is he a big body, but I think he has some pretty big pass rush abilities, which I'm really excited about because when you think about the, uh, the different elements for the Minnesota Vikings in achieving pressure uh, until otherwise we have two of the best edge rushers in football between Zedaria Smith and Daniel Hunter. And if you can add even more interior pressure, I think that's going to be some real force to be had uh, against the quarterback come 2023. Um, so really, really excited about that. When you think about Jaron Hall, um, I'm, I'm very curious to see why he fell so far. Maybe it's because he's from BYU, but like he ended the year at an 86.3 grade. Uh, he had a pretty phenomenal year at BYU. I, I can mimic your uh, exact sentiments. I think uh, I was talking to a guy uh, recently and he was the guy that did a lot of tape on this guy and uh, he compared him to a diet Russell Wilson, uh, where when you think about uh, kind of the baller mentality, size wise mobility, at least Russell Wilson pre uh, pre injury, uh, where if we need any sense of uh, a rookie Russell Wilson, um, if anyone's memory serves you correct, they went to the Super Bowl on a rookie skill contract with Russell Wilson. So fingers crossed there. That could be a possibility. So really, really excited with that. And then uh, last but certainly not least would be Dwayne McBride. And this is another one that just completely floors me how he was able to be uh, fallen, so to speak, to the the seventh round because this guy had a 94.1 PFF grade in 2022. Uh, This guy was elite in his last game as a, as a, as a UAB player against LA Tech. Now against it, I get it, it's LA Tech. He had a 99.9 PFF grade in his last game. Like he had a phenomenal last game. I don't yeah. know if I've ever seen that before, to be honest. Right. Yeah. Uh, so really excited to see what he can do. I think that all but indicates that uh, Dalvin Cook is is off the roster. Um, I think they're they're looking to to beef up that running back room uh, with the departure of Cook. Yeah, I think when you you know when you're talking about fourth, fifth, but definitely sixth, seventh round picks. Yeah, a lot of times, Giles, these are guys that. Some teams wouldn't like weren't even on their these guys weren't even on their boards. No. For whatever reason. Ability, yep. character, medical, yep. uh, culture, whatever. Um, they yep. just they weren't even on the board. So when when you're making picks at that stage of the draft, you no longer have a as high a standard of proof, so to speak, to get this guy drafted. You're you're assuming risks that you wouldn't assume with higher drafted players. Cause it's like, it's a six round guy. So we're yeah. going to take the opportunity that this guy might be really good, even though he's got this 
red flag or orange flag or yellow flag because it's a sixth round pick. And so I think that's yeah. what you're dealing with with these guys. And I, I don't know what the issue may or may not be with McBride uh, or with the quarterback, you know, but something caused them to get drafted where they got drafted. And so, yeah. um, but the team knows that and you work around that. <clears throat> um, so, you know, it's hard to say that because they drafted a seventh round running back that Dalvin Cook is out, but in the context of the Alexander Madison contract and who else they already have on the roster, now you throw in a draft pick as a running back, Dalvin's contract, yep. what Dalvin is or isn't doing on social media. I mean, it's all sort of kind of pointing to a you know, higher than average potential for departure for Dalvin. And um, that's one thing I sort of have as a sub point on my, what did we learn about the Vikings in the first four months of the off season? I have, I have a Dalvin note coming up, but I, um, I heard you mention that when you're talking about McBride and I, I agree with you. Um, I think, you know, you, you made me feel a little bit better um, about the LSU safety ward. Yep. Um, that he may have some position versatility and there may be some creative thinking happening there. You know, I thought that was kind of a pick that not a head scratcher. I don't think he's a poor, a bad player, but I'm just like, yeah, safety, you know, we, we kind of talked about safety guys before the draft. Like they don't really need to hit safety early on in this draft. Um, not at they all. kind of, we're, yeah, they kind sad. of got, yeah, yeah. They kind of have some, some things going on there. If anything, I would have, I, I would have thought another, another corner would have been nice there, or maybe an edge defender would have been nice there. Yeah. Um, but I think you made some, some interesting comments on, on ward. Um, and then Blackman, the corner, um, you know, whatever we'll see. I, I mean, I, I definitely wanted them to take a corner early in this draft and they did it with their second pick. It's a third round pick, but it's the Vikings second pick of the draft. Yep. Um, that was a, that was a long wait for Vikings fans from pick 23 to pick one Oh two. Yep. Um, you know, but then, then they had a pick at 102, 134, 141, 164. So, yep. um, so I think that's the right position and that's the position, um, along with an edge defender, I was sort of hoping yep. they would take in the first round, but they end up going with Addison. And we, we talked about this on Friday's Wobcast. I'm not going to doubt the pick of Addison. I mean, O'Connell knows what he wants and he identified mm -hmm. Addison as the one who he wanted. And we can talk about how long it took him to take him. And they, they let the clock go all the way down to a minute before they did it. So did they really want him? I don't yeah. know. But the bottom yeah. line is you got Kirk cousins, Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson on this offense. And so, you know, Addison's obviously got a great chance to come in here and succeed. Yep. hundred percent. Um, and I think, uh, to, to kind of quickly back up to, to, uh, Mickey Blackman, I think, yeah. uh, this guy is truly, uh, a case where, uh, environment is everything. When you look at his time in Colorado, he spent four years in Colorado between 2018 and 2021. Um, he ranged anywhere from a 62.6 PFF grade to a 77.7 .7 grade. So not super great, to be honest, yep. the moment yep. he goes to USC, he achieves a 90.6 grade. So it really shows that this guy has the versatility to say, if you put him in the right environment, in the right system, this yep. guy can thrive. And uh, I think you can make some comparisons that Brian Flores is trying to mimic USC, but I guess we'll see. Um, I think it really shows the upside of this guy. So I'm really excited. Uh, when it comes to Addison, um, definitely excited when you think about all the best landing spots for, for Addison. The Minnesota Vikings are the best place behind uh, Justin Jefferson. If he's anything worth his salt, I think he's going to have a pretty pretty decent year considering how much 
how much Adam Thielen was really used last year and the lack of productivity, all due respect. I think his, his body just caught up with him and he wasn't able to be as successful, especially yards after catch, which is something that Addison is actually relatively great at. So yep. really excited to see what that can look like. Yep. Um, and I have some additional uh, thoughts. I well, actually I have one additional thought. I have one actually uh, favorite part about the draft oh, okay. uh, that I want to finalize with, but I, I'll, I'll let you finish up first. Well, I was, I was going to mention wait and see on Addison. And then the safety pick, you made me feel better about no offensive linemen. Nope. No edge defenders or DNs. I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, for a lot of reasons, and we'll get into that in segment two. And then lastly, for me, uh, the undrafted free agents, there we uh, go. That's where I was going to go with this. Okay. So two yep. Cincinnati linebackers, one in particular who I think has got a, a shot to be good and a yep. kicker and yep. a kicker. And I don't know what's going to happen with Greg Joseph. I don't know if this is a legit threat or if this is just, they had to fill a roster spot. So they went and grabbed a kicker or if, if Greg Joseph had, you know, a surgery and he can't kick in the offseason program. So they need a body. I, I don't know what this is, but it's not just a, a no name random kicker. It's, you know, it's a kicker who we've all seen kick because he played for Georgia and we've all seen Georgia. So he kicked yeah. in some big games and he had a lot of success. So um, those were my last takeaways from the draft. Yeah, hundred percent. I am really excited about Jack uh, Podolinski. Uh, I think uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he was a pretty darn good kicker, which I'm excited yep. to bring uh, at least a level of competition into our kicker room uh, come training camp to see who uh, who can end up uh, uh, succeeding. If that uh, puts a little fire underneath uh, Curb Boy's butt, uh, or if we can uh, get a switch out of kicker, because I think we've talked about this before. I think kicking is one of those low key needs on our team to help improve uh, our overall yep. uh, special teams unit. Um, <laughs> but that uh, directly leads into two specific players that. I am absolutely floored did not get drafted, but I'm actually, I, I cannot contain my excitement to uh, <laughs> the fact that we were able to grab them. And yeah. that's Andre uh, Carter, the second played for the army. Um, yep. Pretty phenomenal edge player. We'll get into his stats. And then Ivan Pace jr. From Cincinnati. Uh, Ivan had a 93.2 grade for Cincinnati. Uh, he had uh, 897 snaps. So it's not like this guy was even a rotational player. This guy was a dude. And he oh, had, yeah. At 93 grade as uh, a middle linebacker. So when you think about our middle linebacker room, we've talked about this all off season. It was definitely one of the points of contention for improving our team. And we were able to get him as an undrafted free agent. Now yep. maybe you'll be able to speak to why he was able to fall out of the draft completely because I simply don't get it. This guy looks like a top hundred prospect to me. Um, yep. Same thing with uh, Andre Carter. Uh, he wasn't as great as Ivan Pace, uh, but he had uh, even 2021 for the army, he had an 83.3 grade as an edge defender. So even as a rotational player, I think we have a good possibility, but the fact that both of those two were able to fall out and were able to get them as undrafted three agents is quite phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Pace was PFF's highest graded linebacker last season, Giles. And yep. as someone who we, you know, I know you, you, Pete Bursich, Vikings radio analyst, and one of my friends, I know you're familiar with him you know, was pretty outspoken about this one saying this guy is, uh, he's, he called him a thumper. Um, and yeah. so like Pete, Pete doesn't just like randomly get on Twitter and just like cast a compliment at someone who doesn't really deserve it. Like this is Pete played linebacker, coach linebacker, coach special mm -hmm. teams. Yep. Obviously knows this guy and pointed yeah. him out on Twitter. So I thought that was interesting. Um, again, there's something there with Ivan Pace Jr. That caused him to go undrafted yep. um, a player who grades out that high and is that productive at a school like Cincinnati, which is not Alabama, but it's also not, 
you know, UAB, right? Yeah. So there's something there. Yep. And again, we can only, we can't even speculate because we don't even know if it's medical, if it's character, what, I don't know. He might have a pacemaker yep. in. I mean, I have no idea what it is, right? Yep. So, you know, there might be a doctor who said, you know, you've got arthritis in your right knee. You're only going to be able to play for three years. Yep. So he's not going to get drafted in that event. So yep. there, there's something there. But there's also the fact that he's a tackling machine. He's athletic. Yep. Yep. From all accounts, he looks like when you watch him, he looks like guys follow him on yep. defense like a leader. So I think that's an exciting signing for sure for, for the yep. Vikings. Yeah. And even if he's only able to play one, two, three years, if you're able to get him as an undrafted free agent, it's absolutely worth it. Um, because he's, he has the absolute production that I want in a middle linebacker in pretty much every facility when it comes to tackling speed, run pass. this guy is a dude. Yeah, for sure. Yep. He is. And I, I remember being around, you know, as I got closer and closer to it, the longer I was with the team, but you know, as as Zimmer's tenure went on, there was always you know a big joke or competition with the with Zimmer and the scouts, you know, and he'd be like, "Find me an undrafted guy who makes the you know the roster. I'll give you you know I'll give you a hundred bucks per guy, you know, just joking. Yeah. <laughs> like here's a hundred, like you know." And he'd see the scout who this undrafted guy came from his area, and Zimmer would joke at practice or whatever, and flash a hundred dollar yeah. bill. Like it was yeah. all in good fun, but it's like that's how valuable those undrafted guys are to coaches because it's like. And, and to the front office, because it's like yep. you took a flyer on this guy. It's not going to cost yep. you much. And you didn't even have to spend yep. a draft pick on him. And he made your team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, those it also guys put are the bad. chip on their shoulder. For sure it does. No, no doubt about it. So, um, okay. Before we go on to what we've learned about the leadership's direction here, any other draft nuggets that you need to get out of your notebook? Or are we good? Um, it's more of an overarching element about the draft yeah. and the fact that Quezzi Dofamensa, I think he's maybe taking a step forward in terms of negotiation tactics when it comes to the draft. Cause I, I think at face value, I think it's hard to really grade until two, three years out, but I think he's done a much better job at identifying players and then negotiating in and out of positions when it comes to draft capital. So uh, props to Quezzy for, for taking a step up. Yep. All right. So uh, let's talk about what we've learned here, gals, because we've gone through the phase of the off season where teams evaluate their own roster. They, um, they keep practice squad players or not. They re-sign yep. players or not. They go through free agency. They have press conferences in free agency at the combine and pre-draft. So we learn about the thinking. And then you have the draft where you got to put your money where your mouth is and draft players or not. So, um, you know, obviously there's going to be additions and, and subtractions from the roster here before the season starts. But for all intents and purposes, you kind of you got what you got now. You got a draft class, you have a class of undrafted players, and you got your returning players. So generally speaking, uh, we kind of know what the roster is going to look like and what the thinking is. And here's what I've learned. I have three things. Number one, Cousins will be the quarterback. I mean, if there was going to be a change, it would have happened by now. There was talk about him being traded. There was talk about the Vikings liking, liking Will Levis and Richardson and all these things. And when the dust settles... Cousins is QB one. And at this point, we'd be shocked if he wasn't the quarterback week one of 2023, right? Correct. Do you agree with that? Okay. I don't, I don't see anything substantial would have to happen outside of the normal purview. Yep. So that's one thing I've learned. Um, secondly, and you kind of are a bit of like a, like, this is sort of 
right down your alley here. Um, I think we've seen a vote of confidence in in the offensive line. The five offensive linemen who ended the season. I think there's a vote of confidence from Quezzi and from O'Connell and those five guys. Uh, and and if a vote of confidence is too strong, I'd say it's just you know they're, they're putting the ball in those guys' court to prove it. They're giving them an opportunity to prove it because. Yeah. It's real. There's really no one's been added to replace anyone. It's no. kind of the same group, right? Yep. Yeah. I think it really goes to show that they think uh, last year's issues with Ed Ingram uh, were indeed rookie issues. And that the fact that he can change them come this off season and improve because I've said it before. I've said it again. Uh, he is a prototypical guard. He has the exact physical attributes you want in a right guard. Mm-hmm. Um he, I mean, he, he played very, very well in college. He has the right weight, the right height. Like he has a low center of gravity. Um, he was just making a lot of uh, uh, shifting issues when it came to the line. And if he can fix those this offseason, I actually project him to be an above average, if not better guard. So that proves that, I mean, unless something else falls here the rest of this offseason, he's going into this next season in 2023 as the starting right guard. And if he can really fix those, I think we immediately go into a top 10 unit, in my opinion, because we have the best tackle unit in the NFL between Brian O'Neill and Christian Derrissaw. We have an above average, if not elite in run defense in, uh, in uh, our left guard, we have an above average center when he's able to be put in the right positions. If you can get the right guard to be an above average element, you're at least a top 10 unit uh, at minimum when it comes to the offensive line, which is, well, like we've talked about before a requirement, if you want to succeed with Kirk cousins. Yep. Totally agree. And, um, like it's it's notable to me, Giles, because if the pick at 23 would have been a guard or a center, you know, like I wouldn't have like fallen out of my chair in disbelief that they would spend a high pick on that position. I would have been like, yeah, I guess. I mean, they need a starter there. Yep. You know, so we talked about John Michael Schmitz and um, but they not only did they not take one at 23, they didn't take one at all in the draft. All. Yeah. Yep. So Vote of confidence. Um, the last one for me, and then you can empty out your notebook too. Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter in the plan for 23, I believe. Yep. Um, because at this point, I know they got Davenport, but if if your plan is to part ways somehow with Zadarius Smith, I think the cupboard is getting thin at edge. But with mm-hmm. Smith, Davenport, and Hunter, I think you're good. You're great. You're great. You're great. Yep. Yeah. So those guys appear to be in the plan. Um, and then my sub point on this one, three, three a is I don't think Dalvin is no agreed. Um, I don't think it's like hit you over the head, obvious that he's gone, but I'm, I think he's gone. I um, expect him to be a post June first. Okay. Uh, either trade or cut. Um, yeah. Cause when you think about his dead cap hit, if he is now no, no longer on the roster, whether it's via trade or via cut, uh, if you do it before June 1st, it's 6 million. If you do it after June 1st, it's 3 million this year, 3 million next year. And so if you look about them spreading or uh, spreading that cap hit, uh, the dead cap hit across uh, this year, and next year, I expect it to be uh, after June 1st. Now I think they are really holding out hope that they can trade him. But like you mentioned before, it's kind of a soft market. So I, it's, it'll be really hard to say that we're, we'll be able to successfully trade him. Uh, I think mm-hmm. there's a pretty large chance that he'll get cut, uh, but I do expect him to be a, po- a post June 1st designation. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I mean, there's salary cap ramifications that benefit you for doing it that way. Um, and again, it's not us saying we don't want him here. I mean, he's a great player. Um, and, and I've always said the interesting thing about Dalvin, this doesn't always happen, but 
he's going to be a cap casualty or a post June one cut, whatever. And a lot of times those guys are, they're on the way out They're They're declining severely, whatever. But in this instance, that could happen to Dalvin and the team that gets Dalvin that signs him or trades for him. When they look back on their off season, that's going to be like one of the two or three biggest things that happened to them. Great. You know, isn't that weird? Yep. Um, yep. <clears throat> so uh, we'll be interesting to see what happens there uh, with Dalvin Cook. So those are the big takeaways from yours truly for the draft and for what we've learned so far. What lies ahead, Giles? What are you looking forward to um, consuming and understanding about the Vikings here in the next few weeks? It's it's essentially phase two of the offseason program, so you're going to see yep. a bit more action um, from NFL teams and from the Vikings uh, coming from their offseason programs. Um, yeah. After that will be phase three, and the the um, the high point of phase three is the mandatory mini camp, which usually happens in the early part of June. Uh, then teams will take a break for the second half of June and the first half of July before they come to training camp. So for you guys, what's what's left to sort of understand about the Vikings heading into 2023? Honestly, I think it's just some nuance between uh, the, the positional hierarchy of the team, uh, starting with the seventh round pick moving forward. When you think about uh, uh, Dwayne McBride, um, how does that correlate to like Kane and Wangu? Uh, does yeah. he make the running back room? Does he even make the roster at all? Because at the end of the day, he did quite phenomenally as a returner, yeah. um, but did not make the field from what I remember as a, as a, an actual running back. And it's tough to say, we need simply just a returner on our roster. And that's the only point that they serve. That's kind of a tough, a tough ask there. Yeah. Um, or, you know, uh, when that correlates to, to Ty Chandler, what does the running back room look like? And what is the hierarchy? Um, are they going to keep four running backs and just have one as a returner? And then that's simply depth or, you know, what does that look like? Um, so plus I'm really, CJ really excited Ham. to see what that looks like. Uh, plus CJ Ham, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, CJ Ham is kind of an interesting one to me because he's also kind of like a tight end in some respects, uh, mm-hmm. depending on how we we run our our, uh, our offense. Uh, when you think about what he'll actually line up as. Um, yeah. But I, I think he's kind of a, a unique uh, hybrid role, but uh, he's also definitely technically a running back. Um, when you think about the quarterback room, who is QB2? Is it Jaron Hall or is it uh, uh, Mullins? Because you know, yeah. Mullins is also a baller. He throws a lot of picks, but he's a baller. He likes to move yeah. the ball downfield likes to be super aggressive. So I think it'll be interesting to see who's QB2. Um, I'm really ex- interested to see what their quarterback depth uh, looks like. When you think about uh, Byron Murphy, is he going to play in the slot? Uh, is he going to be a, a nickel cornerback? Or yeah. you know who's going to be outside? I'm really excited to see how that positional element uh, comes down. Um, because I think you can make an argument now post-draft. I mean, I guess this is maybe the argument for most teams, but definitely for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, we are now full at all of our positions. Uh, before it was yeah. like, we, we simply need bodies in the cornerback room. We now have bodies. We have the people. So now what does that look like in terms of the hierarchy? Who, who, uh, who, who shoots the top, who shoots to the bottom? Um, so I'm really excited to see who, who will ultimately takes over as uh, the, the head, head dog and, um, and who's able to achieve success for the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. Well stated. Those are all important and, and interesting things to watch. The other thing is, you know, I, I mentioned, I don't want to overstate the importance of these, but I mentioned you know, press conferences that we hear at the combine and pre-draft. And um, those are important because the general goal for coaches, especially Mm -hmm. head coaches and GMs, is to talk without saying much, okay? Mm -hmm. But invariably, things are said that in the moment, you can read between the lines and draw some conclusions. And certainly, in hindsight, you can go back and say, geez, when we heard that, we should have known this would happen. Yep. So I'm always 
very careful to listen to those moments, not because I'm looking for an aha gotcha moment, but I'm just, I'm just trying to piece stuff together. You know, I'm just, it's a big jigsaw puzzle. We're trying to piece it all together. When Brian Flores steps up to the mic to speak, that's one where my ears will perk up and I will want to listen. Um, you know, because I'm, um, interested in his philosophy. I'm interested in his plan. I'm interested in his perspective on how he looks at players, because I believe it's drastically different from what the case was last year with Ed Donatel and not better or worse by definition, but just starkly contrasting what happened last year with Donatel. So um, very excited to see how that transpires. The other thing that's going to come up guys um, very soon in terms of tentpole event on the NFL offseason calendar is the schedule release mm-hmm. um, that the NFL is targeting May 11th for that. And um, so that'll be something that we talk about. We already know who, who they're playing. We just don't know in what order and when, you know, we yeah. know who, and we know where we just don't know uh, when. And so that'll be something that's kind of fun to talk about. And there may be a, a slight shift in, you know, Vegas's uh, over under win totals and stuff based on the schedule. So that'll be a fun thing for us to talk about as well. Yeah, no, it's going to be a fun time. That's honestly, I mean, I, I tend to say this about most days in the NFL calendar, but it's one of my most uh, favorite days of the year because yeah. it can really help project the the confidence or lack thereof in the team moving forward. Because if you have to play the the Chiefs and the Eagles uh, two weeks in a row, that can really uh, yep. uh, kill your momentum, so to speak, as a team. Yeah. So lots still to talk about here in the offseason, but that's a little bit of a breakdown on on what we think about the Vikings and the 2023 NFL draft. I think overall it was a productive uh, draft for the Vikings. They come away with six players, which um, we're, we're used to, Giles. We're used to seeing the Vikings with more picks than that, you know, because yep. Spielman was a big volume guy. And yep. I think in his heart and soul, I think Quezzi is too. I think he mm-hmm. wants a lot of picks. But he did say it's not necessarily the quantity of your picks. It's the impact that those picks can make for you. Yeah. Um, and I think I think these six picks, I think there's potential for a pretty significant impact for uh, for some of these players. So yeah. um, I'll be excited to see how that unfolds. So that's a little bit of the breakdown of what we thought of the draft. Giles and I will be back next week uh, to continue talking about the Vikings offseason. Uh, maybe have some speculation on the schedule release that will be forthcoming. Uh, That's always fun to talk about. So lots still to get to when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings and the offseason, but significant progress and lots of news over the weekend. As always, we encourage you to listen to or watch previous episodes of the Wobcast 2.0, and we want you to subscribe so you can hear all the future ones. To do that, go to wherever you find all your other favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on YouTube. On behalf of Giles and Chase, this is Wabi signing off for now, but we'll be back next week. Until then, Skull Vikings.